Welcome to the Catch the Fire London podcast. We hope and pray you'll encounter God as you listen to this message. So we're going to talking today, we're, as for those of you who don't know the track we're on, um, see now I'm just distracted, I'm just thinking about people getting saved actually, and I just want to just remind you of something I said a number of weeks ago, which was the most effective question that I've found in the last six months, which has seen multiple people give their life to Jesus, is actually to ask, them, ask people if they've ever given their life to Jesus. I know that sounds so ridiculously simple, but actually saying to someone, have you given your life to Jesus, is different to, do you believe in God? Different to you, have you been to church? It's different to, what culture did you grow up in? And there's a whole bunch of different questions where someone can actually end up convincing you that they're saved because you didn't ask the right questions. And there's literally someone in the room I asked that question of and they ended up giving their life to Jesus. And it's just, I remember there was one person who said to me, oh, I I believe in Jesus. And my initial response, and then I switched on the pastoral, but my initial response was, congratulations, so does Satan. (laughs) Like the belief in Jesus is not getting you into heaven. Giving your life to Jesus is what gets you into heaven. Saying yes to Jesus, being Lord of your life is what gets you into heaven. And so asking people, Have you given your life to Jesus? And then Steve Witt gave me this one, even better question. Is there any reason you wouldn't give your life to Jesus? Because most people have no reason not to. It's just unless you ask them that question, they don't bother. Anyway, Father, your word, clearly. Everyone say clearly. Right, so we're in the series called the I Am series, and I'm going to go really, really quickly, and I'm basically just going to read some scripture um, And we're going to pull a couple of points out of the scripture. But the homework for you is to read the scripture again and pull the points out that the Holy Spirit tells you on the journey. But we're talking about the I am the the vine. And Jesus is many things in scripture. He has, according to John Paul Jackson, 365 names, which is an astonishingly convenient number. Um, But there are 365 names and characteristics of God that are very easy in the scriptures. And so what we're doing is we're going through a bunch of the different I am's of God. And what that means is we're going through a bunch of different names of God. And what we've realized is as we research together and we go through it together, and every week, Alistair, not this week because he's on baby leave, um, but every week, Alistair is going through the preach and pulling out some notes, and he's sending them to you on church suite. And so we're wanting you to follow up on the preach by going through the I am again on church suite and going through the questions that Alistair brings and the encounters that will come from that. So we're going through the names of God, and we're having revelation of who God is. Now, this week is I am the vine. Now, here's, here's my teacher gift kicking in. I really want everyone to be mature enough that when you read something in the scripture, you don't just stick on one verse and try and get revelation from one verse. When it says, I am the vine, in John 15, verses 1 to 11, we're going to read, it's not the first time the scripture talks about the vine. And so the vine means something to Hebrew people, which is, and Jesus is often pulling on Hebrew understanding to make a point. And unless you understand the Hebrew understanding, you're not going to understand the point that Jesus is making. Does that make sense? I am the vine. Oh, congratulations, Jesus, because we don't really know what the vine is, and therefore that doesn't mean anything to us. Whereas I am the vine. Ooh, vine. Let's Google vine. Where did vine first come out in the scriptures? What did, what did the Old Testament say about the vine? Long story short, in Psalms and a few other, Isaiah and a few other places, the vine was actually Israel. 
And so in the Old Testament Hebrew understanding, when it talks about the vine, the vine was the plant of Israel that God chose, pulled, and then planted. He planted a vine, and then the vine started to grow. And from a vine comes grapes, which we make wine from. And so in Hebrew understanding, when Jesus said, I am the vine, they would have been like, whoa, no, we are the vine. Because Israel is the vine. Israel is the vine that God planted. He selected. He chose Israel as a nation so that he could glorify himself. He chose this random person who became a random bunch of people. And he chose that people to show who he was to the rest of the world. And so that's what we're, that's the understanding of the vine that we get to in John 15. Jesus saying, I am the vine. And Israel thought Israel was the point. And I felt God say, as I just literally, as I said that, I said, I felt God say, there are many people who are listening to this who think that they are the point. When Jesus said, I am the vine, Israel, who was listening, would have gone, no, we're the vine. It's all about me, Jesus. Father, we repent where we've made it about us. And we want it to be about Jesus. And we choose to submit the authority of our whole, even our life, but our circumstances in our life, our decisions in our life, our choices in our life, our relationships in our life, from being about us, God, we make them about you. Do we? Okay, come with me to John 15. I'm going to fly through quickly. I'm reading in the New English Translation and the, and the King James. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it will bear more fruit. Everyone say, more fruit. fruit. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a fruit. fruit. That's got all sorts of meanings. (laughs) Verse 3. You are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. Because apart from me you can accomplish nothing. (laughs) If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a branch and dries up and the such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and are burned up. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Woohoo! How many people are excited by that verse? Ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. Is it, no, seriously. Ask whatever you want. And it, is anyone thinking of anything right now that they could do with in life? Anything, just like anything random, you know, just... Nothing? Not just me? Ask whatever you want and we're done for you. Anyway, verse 8. My father is honoured by this. What? Jesus is saying the father is honoured when we get what we want. Have you read that? Not just what you want. What you want if you remain in him. My father is honoured by this, that you bear much fruit. Everyone say, much fruit. 
and show that you are my disciples. Just as a father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. How many people would like complete joy? I don't even know what that means. But it sounds good. I'm like, I don't understand that, but I'm saying yes. We, <laughs> who was it? I'm not even going to mention the name. Dan and Ashley had some people around recently. They have people around sometimes. And they had someone around from this church... And they said, oh, I've just remembered who it was because I looked at them. I... <laughs> what they said was, what was incredible was watching this person do a real belly laugh. Anyone know what a belly laugh is? Does that translate to all kind of cultures? A belly laugh is where you have no control over your body because you are laughing so hard, it often results in like snorting or releasing of air. Because you're laughing and there's strain going on and there's just chuckling happening. That's, I think, complete joy. I think... We always say this, and we've said this a million times in, this, in the culture of this church. Happiness is dependent on circumstances. Joy is dependent on who God is. Because in the presence of God is fullness of joy. And so God defines joy. Joy isn't, oh, everything in my life is going well. Joy is, regardless of what's going in my life, I have a well within me. And that well is springing up a song coming on (laughs) yeah that one I'm not going to sing no one deserves that (laughs) that there is an opportunity in a world that is miserable in a world that is stressed as Michael was saying we've now got on top of Brexit on top of Boris on top of the Ukrainian issues on top of coronavirus and lockdown on top of all of the race issues that are going on in the world right now on top of all the turmoil we've now got financial issues there's a lot going on in the world and the world is stressed the world is looking for something that the church has. As Dwayne said, his name is Jesus. But when we have Jesus, it looks like something and it results in complete joy. I have been in multiple situations in a marketplace, in a work environment where people are like, how are you still happy? Like this has happened, that's happened, things have gone wrong. Like in my, I'm a veterinary surgeon in a, in a previous sort of... I say that you know, in a previous season of my life, um, <coughs> um, but sometimes animals would die. Sometimes there was grief around. Sometimes there was trauma around. Sometimes there were road traffic accidents. Funniest story, although it wasn't funny for the cat, was the cat. I got a phone call as a vet, and and the woman says, "I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know." What to do. I was like, "Calm down, because I can't hear what you're saying. What's happened? My cat got stuck in the washing machine." I was like, what? My cat got stuck in the washing machine. I was like, well, you better bring it down. So cat's in the, in the basket, and the basket's moving. 
which is un isn't unusual. Often cats can move when they're at the vets because they don't like being at vets. And so I'm asking, we always get history first. What's happened? How did the cat get in the washing machine? She's like, I just picked up all the laundry and threw it in. <laughs> and the cat was in the laundry, but I didn't know. I, I swear I didn't know the cat was in the laundry. I'm like, I'm guessing you didn't know the cat was in the laundry. Otherwise, I'm phoning the police. <clears throat> and they turned it on. And the first, first cycle, they heard it bang. And like, thud. And so they turned it off, but it wouldn't turn off. So for two minutes, this cat's going round. And then, as everyone knows who owns a washing machine, you can't open the washing machine for about five minutes because it's got to do its thing and let all the water out and all the rest of it. So she's assuming this cat's dead, but the box is moving. I kid you not. She picks the cat up, puts it on the table, and the cat's doing this. One of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. That cat was perfectly fine, but was doing this for a whole week. <laughs> anyway, things can happen in your life. That one just made me laugh. But things can happen in your life that cause stress. But there is in Jesus complete joy complete joy. I'm not telling that story. Someone will call the police on me. The rabbit one. So, so Chloe and I, I've got no time for this. So Chloe and I were driving to Norfolk, this is probably 15 years ago, and we had our old dog, Baloo, who was a German shepherd dog. And so we got to a service station, and there was a big green area, so I let Baloo out um, to have a wee, and so he went and had a wee, and then he started sniffing this rock, and I was like, well, that's weird, moved on, but then he carried on sniffing the rock, and then I suddenly realised it wasn't a rock, it was a rabbit. And so I walked over, and it's very unusual for a rabbit to stay still while a massive dog is sniffing it, and so I walked over, and the rabbit had myxomatosis. And for those of you who don't know, myxomatosis is a deadly disease of rabbits, you can't cure it, um, especially in you know, once it's got a hold of the rabbit, and most rabbits will die anyway. So as a veterinary surgeon, I took on the responsibility, and so I've got to kill the rabbit, which is just terrible. So I've got the dog in the car, and the petrol station's here. Loads of cars. So I pick up the rabbit by its back legs, and I know how... I'm a veterinary surgeon, so I know how to do this, and so I'm thinking I'm just going to knock it on the head. And I'm looking to make sure no one sees, and I go through these bushes, and I see this big rock... And so I'm looking like this, and like, rabbit's dead. Did my job. Turn around. There's a traffic jam of cars <laughs> behind me. But I hadn't seen them because I was so conscious about not being seen by this lot. <laughs> I literally, I was running. Start the car! Can you imagine being in that car and just seeing this random guy carry a rabbit and bonk? That was bad. <laughs> it's not what I'm preaching on. If you're new to this church, <laughs> and you're here because someone's being baptized that you know, welcome. Okay, John 15. I am the true vine, and I'm going to run through this really quickly. I am the true vine, verse 1. The Lord spoke to me as I was reading through John 15. If Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, that means there are other vines. 
There are false vines, there are fake vines, there are bad vines. He is the true vine, means there are other vines. We have been grafted in, and I haven't got time to go through the whole Romans 11 thing, but the, the Jews um, are the vine. They're part of that vine, as, as I said, from Old Testament thinking. It's, they're part of the vine. The Jewish nation is, is the body of Christ, basically. And so the Jews were there. And then if you read Romans 11, it talks about the fact that some of the branches were cut off, and then we as Gentiles, unless you are Jewish, we as Gentiles were grafted in and we get the privilege of all the promises we get the privilege of the provision we get the privilege of the nutrition we get the privilege of the support because we're grafted in we are now part of this vine we get grafted into Jesus who is the vine that's what he says very clearly I am the true vine but if we're not careful we can end up getting grafted into the wrong things and where do you get your nutrition where do you get your support where do you get your information where do you get your life because it may be in a whole bunch of stuff that isn't Jesus and it may not be toxic things at the moment I say that everyone's thinking well you know I'm repenting for pornography I'm repenting for alcohol I'm repenting for gadgets and social media but sometimes it's really good things that we graft onto that are not necessarily toxic in and of themselves they're just toxic if they're not Jesus and so I'm really happily married really happily married but if I'm not careful, I can end up grafting onto my marriage with Chloe. And I can end up getting my life from Chloe. I can end up getting my joy from Chloe. I can end up getting my peace from Chloe. I can end up getting my solutions from Chloe. I can end up getting my revelation from Chloe. I can end up getting everything from Chloe, not realizing that I have a very lovely wife and we have a very godly relationship. Come to the marriage course. We have a very godly relationship, but if I'm not careful, Chloe can end up replacing Jesus in my life. Because if I'm not careful, I can end up getting my joy from Chloe. Now, Chloe does bring me joy, but I am already complete in my joy from being grafted into Jesus. We have to be careful where we get our life, our peace, and our joy from. Because if it's from anything other than Jesus... It's going to fail at some point. Because I don't know, this is hard for some people to believe. Chloe isn't perfect. I know you see perfection. I know you've experienced perfection. But Chloe isn't perfect. And every now and again, once every decade or so, she makes a mistake. But if my reliance... And resilience comes from my relationship with Chloe. Then the moment she makes that mistake, the, I, my legs are gone. Yeah. My foundations are shot because they were f my foundations were in the wrong thing. Say, so Jesus is the true vine. In verse 2 and 3, let's read them again. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit. Everyone say fruit. In me, Jesus says. Fruit is in me. Did you know that there's a type of fruit that isn't in Jesus? Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, in me. So you can be producing things that are great things, and they sound and smell, and they look very godly, and they look like ministry. They look like even salvation. Do you know you can get people saved outside of Christ just because of your effort and your work? Like there are, There's fruit that is not from Jesus. How do you prevent? Having fruit in your life that isn't from Jesus. Grafting only onto him. He takes away 
Every branch that does not bear fruit in me, he prunes every branch that does bear fruit so that it will bear more fruit. (coughs) I haven't got time to go through it. We are part of a charismatic culture that believes in a whole bunch of stuff which says that you don't need to earn God's love. Are you aware you do not need to earn God's love? There is many, many denominations out there who are blessed in many, many ways, but many people come out of those denominations thinking they have to earn God's love. They have to earn salvation. They have to earn everything. You don't have to earn anything. But the problem with the charismatic church is that it sometimes creates passive, apathetic people because they know that they don't have to earn anything, therefore they'll do nothing. There's nothing you can do that will make God love you anymore. Well, I better not do anything then. That's kind of, we don't process it that way, but that's kind of where we end up. It's like, if, if, I, if everything I'm doing doesn't earn more love, then why am I bothering? I've got better things to do. And we end up being passive, apathetic Christians. Jesus is very clear. He's expecting fruit. And if you're not producing fruit... <laughs> I was saying this in pre-service prayer. One of the problems with this scripture, which came from the words of Jesus, they're in red letters in some Bibles, like Jesus' literal words are that if you don't bear fruit, you dry up. And dried twigs get thrown on the fire. Now, here's what's happened in some heart. I haven't borne fruit. I'm going to be burned. No, 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 no. That's not the point. The point is, well, I better start, I better start, run on the streets, quick, get people saved. I better, I pray for someone, pray for someone, pray for anyone. Do you need prayer? Please let me pray for you, because I need some fruit. I've got to put fruit in my CV so that I don't get burnt. No, no, no. The point isn't do something and we revert to striving and performance-orientated Christianity. The point is him. Graft onto him. Spend time with him. We are more and more using the word dwell. You're going to hear the word dwell more and more. Verse 4. It says, remain in me. King James, abide in me. Greek, meno. Abide, continue in me. Dwell in me. Endure in me. Be present in me. Remain in me. Stand in me. Live in me. Tarry in me. God wants fruit from your life. He wants to see his kingdom happening in your life. The way to do that is not by going out and doing the kingdom for him. The way to do that is to find, fight, grab hold of any moment you physically can to spend time with him. Because it's about grafting onto him. We were reading our Smith Wigglesworth devotional. We're on year three going through it again and again. He will slap you around the face with his words. And so we read it because we like a good slap in the morning from the kingdom of God. And it's amazing. But two days ago, was it? He's saying he, one of his friends was down to preach in a church on an evening service um, during the week. And they were doing itinerant ministry. And he got to a place and he's, the, the place is packed. This guy is famous. Everyone's there to hear this guy preach because when he preaches, the kingdom comes will be done, miracles, signs, wonders, healing, prophetic, it all happens. But the speaker didn't turn up. So the guy, Wigglesworth, was it Wigglesworth? Or the, the pastor sent his son, uh, no daughter, to go and find the preacher next door in the, in the vicarage. So she went round and she's like, Mr. Mr. Preacher, 
you need, you need to come to church. They're waiting for you. I will not come. That's what the little girl heard. So, Mr. Preacher, but they're waiting for you. I will not come. Mr. Preacher, what should I tell my father? I will not come. Anyway, so the girl comes back and she's like, apparently he's not coming. And the preachers think, the, the pastor's thinking, oh no, what do I do? I've got a room full of people here to hear the, uh, the visiting speaker. And at that moment, the visiting speaker walks in. He walks in, grabs a microphone, kingdom comes, miracles, signs, wonders, prophetic, everything's happening, the kingdom's happening in the room. About three minutes after, he said three times, I will not come. So the pastor says to the preacher, what was happening? Why did you tell my daughter you wouldn't come, but then you came? He's like, I refuse to step foot on an altar without knowing I am fully filled with the Holy Spirit. I am not going to preach without feeling him, knowing him, so that it's him that's speaking through me. And they're not my words, but they're his words. If I do it in my own strength, it will last for a second. If I do it in his strength, it will last for eternity. We have to change how we see life. Chloe and I, more and more, as we've come out of lockdown, as we've come out of the COVID situations and all the stuff that's going on in the world, we're like, we've got to be in him. We've got to be in him. That's why we created Dwell on Monday nights. We've got to have more of him. We said to Dwayne when he said, what's my job description? And we still joke about it. I said, your job description is three words, protect the presence. That's all we want from you as a worship pastor. Just bring the presence, protect the presence, talk about the presence, sing about the presence. I don't need the best musicians. I don't need the best prophetic team. I don't need the best pastoral team. I don't need the best prayers. I just need a bunch of people who are in love with Jesus and are grafted into him so that what happens in their life is supernatural. You can have a whole bunch of people who can do a bunch of stuff and they can be very good at a bunch of stuff, but unless they're in him, I'm not that interested. And it's again, no condemnation. It's not about are you in him if you're not get out. It's do you want to be in him? It's not like, are you fully, are you the full article? Are you ready to rock? It's like, no, no, no. Do you want more of Jesus? Because if you want more of Jesus, we want to help you get there. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Verse four. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains, it dwells in the vine. So neither can you unless you dwell in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Last point. I am the vine, you are the branches. Was not a suggestion. It was a statement of identity. It wasn't, I am the vine, would you like to be a branch? I am the vine, you could be a branch. I am the brine. I am the vine. Some of you could be branches. No. Jesus speaking, I am the vine. You are a branch. If you're a branch, that's your identity. Everyone say, I'm a branch. That's what Jesus just said. I'm a branch. I'm the vine. You are the branches. I'm a, I'm a branch. That's your identity. If you're not connected to the vine, you shrivel up. You go dry and you die. Now, that sounds a really heavy way to finish a preach. You're all going to die. 
I know that the reason you're in the room, unless someone else dragged you, the reason you're in the room is because this is who we are. We're people who are dwelling in Jesus. It's who you are. It's your lifeline. You can't exist in life. You can't exist in peace. You can't exist in abundance. You can't exist in joy. You can't exist in love. You can't exist in hope unless you're existing in him. I've got a random ministry time ahead. Why don't you, if you can stand, stand. And we're going to go into baptisms. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. If you would agree, then just agree in whatever way makes sense for you. But Heavenly Father, I want to repent for any moment, not just like the rest of my life, but any moment, any one second that I haven't been connected to you. I repent for where I've done life without you. I repent for where I've done relationships without you. I repent for where I've done business without you. I repent for where I've done church without you. I repent for where I've made decisions without you. I repent for where I've spent money without you. I repent where I've prophesied without you. I repent where I've spread the gospel without you. I repent for any moment that I've done without you. And I declare today the identity that Jesus has given me. Why don't you say that? I declare today the identity that Jesus has given me. I am a branch. Therefore, I need the vine. And just connect to him right now. As I say these final words, I, he wants fruit. But fruit doesn't happen through effort. Fruit happens because you're connected. When the branch is connected to the vine, fruit comes from the branch. It doesn't have to work at it. It doesn't have to make it happen. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to perform. It doesn't have to strive. It doesn't have to do a bunch of stuff. It just has to stay connected. Hebrews 4 says, Strive to enter his peace strive to enter his rest and if you're going to put your mind to anything if you're going to put your hand to anything if you're going to change anything in your life then make it this one thing that you will do whatever it takes to stay connected to Jesus that nothing will come across you being connected with Jesus nothing will distract you from you being connected to Jesus nothing will defile your connection with Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and that you would, if we need it, reconnect us to Jesus right now. And I want to honour everyone with gifts and skills and anointings and experiences that benefit this church and benefit the body of Christ. I want to honour you and I want to thank you But more than all of that, we need you connected to Jesus. I would rather five people fully connected to Jesus than a hundred 
with great skill. I would prefer a hundred with great skill fully connected to Jesus. But I'll take the one who is connected to him. So why don't you just finish by saying again, I am a branch and I need the vine. I need Jesus. reach out to him now with your heart with your hands with your love song with words of connection just tell him your need right now I need you Jesus there's an old song more than oxygen I need your love more than anything more than anything just say that more than anything I need you Jesus Holy Spirit would you equip us and anoint us to connect to Jesus we break every attachment to every false vine in the name of Jesus I felt there are some soul ties to people and I just break them in the name of Jesus and I just I don't normally do this and just looking around the room quickly I just want to make sure that for every sexual encounter that has happened outside the will of God I break the soul tie that was created in that moment for every piece of oppression and control and manipulation that has happened from another human being I break the soul tie off you in Jesus name where you have been grafted into past relationships or you have been grafted into oppressive leaders or family that have abused you we just break that connection in Jesus name we break off the soul tie and we release you for freedom in the name of Jesus. For every time your thoughts go running and they get attracted to something from the past, we cut that tie in Jesus' name. For every way that you have addictions, we cut those ties in Jesus' name. We say no to those grafting to ungodly things. No to those grafting to anything that isn't even ungodly, but it's not Jesus. We cut the ties to everything in the name of Jesus. Only you, God. Why don't you say that? Only you, God. Amen. Amen. Let's get some people wet. <laughs> so what we're going to do is Hannah and Z, if you want to go with your crew, and that involves anyone who's with you, anyone that's been with you, anyone who's in Ignite groups with you, ministry groups with you, anyone that knows you well, they follow you out. And we normally we keep everyone in here, but we just felt really strongly, I felt really strongly, um, just to shove as many people as we can out by the baptismal because it just makes for more fun when the people are getting wet. For those of you who don't understand baptism, what we do is we fill a, a tank of water and then we, we hold people under the water until all of their sin has left them. 
No, I'm joking. That's not what happens. What we do is we, we lay them down in the water and it, it literally symbolizes dying and then we pick them up again and they're raised to life. We lay them down in water. It symbolizes washing and then we pick them up clean into a new life. And so there's a number of different symbolisms that baptism is about. And so we would highly recommend everyone who believes in Jesus having a full immersion baptism in water. And if you want some research... There is a difference between the Greek of bapto, B-A-P-T-O, and baptizo, which has the Z in the middle. One means to sprinkle, one means fully immersed. We know this because there was a Greek chef from the times of Jesus who wrote a recipe for making pickles. And what he wrote in his recipe was that you had to bapto the pickle, which was a quick dip, and then you have to baptizo the pickle for it to really become a pickle. Both words used in the same sentence? You don't care. Okay, all right. <laughs> you on the mic? I'm going to come. Right, let's file some people out. We're not going to get everyone out there, but if you're willing to stay and cheer on the two that are being baptized today, if you want to be baptized today and you haven't thought about it up to now, then please come and see me and we will get you baptized today. But let's shove some more people out there. Um, and follow me if you would like to.